So I actually ran faster than I did during D1 college days. And I'll remember that. And again, I, I wish my coach, you know, from college could see me, but I'm like, hey, this, this was my event because I'm doing this completely unaided at 51. How could I not do that when I'm, you know, 20? Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 13 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I had such a great time sitting down with my good friend Judy Stoby from Central Park Track Club this week. Judy is an amazing person. She brings an infectious smile and wonderful energy to life and somebody that we all need more friends like in this world. You enjoy her company, her great joy for life, and her absolute love and passion for the sport of running. She's one of the true great running ambassadors that I've ever met and spends a lot of time encouraging people to get involved in our sport, particularly as it relates to track and field, indoor, outdoor, and cross country. She's got an incredible running resume. She won the New York Masters Runner of the Year in 2015, and she's part of the 4x800 American record holder team where she anchored the team home to a 10:26:85 time. So she's thrown down some amazing times as a master's runner. But what I enjoyed about our convo was getting to know more about her, what it was like growing up with four older brothers and how that dragged her into sports and most definitely shaped her incredibly competitive spirit. How her and her husband contracted COVID right here in New York City in the epicenter and how it went from her to him and how they took on COVID and ultimately were able to help each other with good doctor care, of course, to recover and get back on their feet and get back to normal. And what that experience was like for the two of them hearing that was, was really interesting. And we talked about her high school and college days where Title IX was in full bloom at that point where she decided she wanted to run and there was no girls team. So she started off by running on the boys team. And uh, I'll just say in a word, no college team, no high school team before Judy arrived. I'll just say trailblazer, insert trailblazer here. Um, Cause she's certainly somebody who's had an impact on running and women's sports. And um, that was, that was a cool story to learn Two two cool stories to learn about her high school and college days and the impact she had um, getting teams going there. And just the love of the sport that is, is so clearly evident when she talks about running on the master's level at these great world championship meets, it's just exciting to hear the passion in her voice. And uh, it's definitely you know free personal advertising for USATF and master's running because if you don't listen to Judy's voice and feel like you're inspired enough to want to put on a pair of spikes and run cross country or run an indoor outdoor meet, I, I definitely know we can't be friends because uh, her passion and enthusiasm for it is seriously infectious. And I know for sure when we're able to safely compete at these meets again and they take place, uh, I, for one, I'm going to uh, start signing up and taking part in some of these and experiencing that side of the running world. So we covered a lot of ground. It was super interesting conversation. Um, always enjoy Judy's company, and I'm hoping you all will enjoy this convo as much as the two of us did. So let's dive on in and take a listen.
Dobie. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? Thank you, Ron. Doing really, really well. So happy to be here. It's great to see your smiling face on Memorial Day. Yes, happy Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the strangest of times with holidays uh, during COVID, man. We're, uh, we, don't, we don't know what day of the week it is. We don't know if it's a weekend. And we surely don't know when a holiday comes up. But we're all managing it the best we can. Um, so for, um, for the Run Chats listeners out there, this is like a double bonus for me. I have two of my most awesome masters, Central Park Track Club teammates back to back with Wakenda and Judy. So huge uh, honor for me and, and super fun to have two of our best badass runners on here in a row. And uh, one of the things, um, Judy and I have been in touch um, during the crisis. Obviously, we're here in New York City in the epicenter. You know, she let me know that her and Tommy uh, had come down with COVID a while back. And I just knew, I've always known I wanted to have Judy on the show to talk about her amazing contributions as a master's runner. But I thought it'd be a great place to start just to tell listeners like how that all came about. How did you two get sick? What was treatment like? And what is things? what have things been like for both you and Tommy afterwards at this point? Oh yeah, thanks. It was it was pretty scary. Um, we I came down with it first. Um, it was in mid March. I want to say actually I can remember the date. Friday the thirteenth was our last um, Central Park um, practice um, with Devin's group. We um, Cheryl was there and Ivy. You know some of our great um, masters team and some of the open ladies were out there. And, and I remember I ran. Okay. It was nothing great, but I I just blamed it on the wind as I always do or something. (laughs) And, um, and that was Friday the 13th. The next day I did not feel well at all. I was just super fatigued. And I just thought, Oh, maybe it's just the, you know, it was just the workout or whatever. I, I had no desire to run, which is very, very odd of me. I mean, I, I will nearly run through anything, but this, the fatigue was so great that I just didn't. So I just thought I just was, I don't know, burnt out a little bit. And this was right when the COVID was starting to get all over the media. And, um, we had to cease, uh, group practices after that. So I, and I saw that some things were starting to, um, cancel, whether it be road races or and then the March Badness, the collegiate um, championship was um, further delayed. So I thought, you know what, it's probably not going to be, there's probably not going to be much of an outdoor track season. I just had that intuition. So I'm just going to take this week off because I'm not feeling well anyways. And then, um, then I developed a really bad cough, super nasty, very loud, very annoying. Um, and, and Tom, my husband, you know, was was saying, okay, you need to do something about that. And that's when the media was all over. Do not, you know, do not, um, come and see your doctor. This is very contagious. So they had the virtual doctors. And so I dialed into one of those, which I was super fortunate. I, it was a great, great program. I actually, um, did it through the NYU, um, doctors and they called, they said, it's, it's a good chance that I could have the COVID because the cough was really, you know, very indicative, the fatigue. I did develop a fever, um, about a, just for a couple of days that just kind of wiped me out. Um, and they gave me actually a nasal, um, I think it was a nasal uh, spray that they usually give for asthma because that helped the, the cough. So 
I, I was fine um, in about eight days. I was fine. I didn't run for that entire time. I actually worked. Um, we were obviously working from home at the time, so I worked. Um, it was kind of annoying because I was coughing a lot, but I was okay. And then after about the first couple of days of my symptoms, Tom developed it. He at the time, luckily, he's a, a New York City police officer. He at the time was not around his unit. So he was having his days off and he was only around me because that was also the time where they were definitely encouraging social distancing. So, you know, I had previously stocked up on food, but he was only around me. So sure enough, four days later, he comes down with um, the fatigue and the, he had a slight cough. But then he developed um, a lot of um, breathe, not shortness of breath, but it was hard for him to breathe. And because he's NYPD, he was able to go to urgent care and get the COVID test right away. And um, he nearly, he, it was like a half a mile walk and he barely made it. And they got him there and they took a chest x-ray. He had pneumonia in one lung. Um, they had given him, um, two antibiotics, um, amoxicillin and the z pack And he got, he, he came home and he was just bedridden. He was much worse off than I was. It, I, at this time I was pretty recovered. And so I was trying to nurse him and scariest time of my life because I had known that he had had pneumonia um, it's, it's called the Valley fever when he was out in school in Arizona and nearly died. And I'm like, Oh no, now that he has pneumonia, this could get really bad. The last thing I want him to do is go into the hospital. You're just hearing all these horrible things. That's when the death rate was spiking up. And, and, um, he, I don't want to say it wasn't the best patient, but I was really trying to get him to drink, you know, make sure you do your fluids and forcing it down. And, um, he, he finally did. And after about two weeks of that, he got better. Um, but it was, it was so scary because every emotion is going through my head. I'm thinking I gave him this, he could die. You know, this, it just like, it was awful. I mean, I, you were just, and then you're, you're looking at the news, you know, left, right, and center, and there's nothing but deaths and, um, going on and you're seeing the, um, the, the, the maid, the, um, the, what they would do outside of the, the hospitals, the makeshift morgues. And it was awful. So, um, he finally started to turn around and he got his appetite back and then we, we recovered. Um, I recovered pretty, pretty quickly. Like after the eight days, I was able to run every other day, super easy. Um, he was not able to, he, it, it took him a good more couple of weeks. He did go back to work after two weeks. Um, and, uh, and he was, he was, he's fine now, but it took him a little bit longer to recover cause he had it so bad, but it's, it's not, it's not a, a, a simple, easy virus to get over. That's for sure. Wow. That's, um, what a harrowing experience to go through, um, in the household for the two of you. Um, there's so much there. Um, for one thing, like you're dealing with the emotion of giving it to your husband who had this case of valley fever and have bad lung issues before. I mean, I think that's the thing um, that 
you just realize that anybody with an immune compromised system, anybody with asthma, anybody with um, different sorts of um, immunity issues, they're going to be impacted far more significantly. People who've had pneumonia multiple times, you know, they, they tend to get it more than other people. Like I've, I've never had pneumonia. I have a brother who's had like multiple times, you know, he can develop it very easily. So that's really scary, scary stuff. Um, and you know, he's, he's, a you know, NYPD. So thankfully he was able to go and get tested, you know, quickly and get a result. Um, but he probably knew it and you probably knew it too. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's, that's really super scary stuff. And yeah, we're here, like right here in the middle of it all. And, you know, I have so many, you know, super close friends, just as you do in the running community. And, you know, the ones who live in like Ohio or North Carolina, South Carolina, or even some of my friends in other countries, you know, they mean well, and they feel like they have some idea what's going on here. But when I try to explain to them, you, you said the word makeshift more, that's what did it for me? You know, when we're walking down the streets of New York and there are like refrigerated trucks outside and you know that that entire truck is filled with dead bodies and that they're digging up parks and burying people in parks, it's, you know, it's just, it's hard, it's horrifying. And, um, you know, thank God we have our running, Judy, because if we didn't, uh, we talked about with Wakenda, some of the advice she's giving to her residents, you know, you have to find something. For us, it's running. If, if it isn't running, I've talked to my younger brother a lot lately. He's been just going out in the yard doing just like massive amounts of landscaping and work around in his backyard because he's coaches girls softball, like our good friend, Amy Kay, um, who's the coach of uh, BC. We'll give a little shout out to Amy Kay. We'll, oh, get, Amy. we'll get her on because she's going to come on run chats at some point. But she knows my brother, Ray, and my brother, Ray, lives to coach those girls and all these travel teams. And he's worked with both his daughters and that's gone from him. So he can't work with them. He can't do the drills and do all that, but we can, can run. And thankfully for you, for anybody listening at home, like the, the level of recovery is just so unbelievably different from one person to another, i.e. you and Tommy. Uh, you know, you were able to start running, did you say like eight days or so was, was around for, yep. for you? And you said every other day, which was really smart. So you didn't go back and start, you know, trying to hammer yourself and just, you were really um, very patient with that. And in his case, because of his prior lung stuff and pneumonia and all, it, it was definitely a much slower road. But now he's, he's good to go now, right? He's back yep. working okay. and everything. Well, thank God for that because- yes. uh, Man, we we all know situations personally where that's not the path that it took. So we're thankful, Judy. Um, yeah, that was something, you know, when I heard you, I was like, what, what, both of you? Like, oh gosh, awful stuff. Well, um, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully for any of the Run Chats listeners are out there, if anybody out there, uh, you know, please take this seriously run with a mask, run with a buff, run with a bandana. I'm not saying you have to have it up over your you know, nose and mouth every single second because where you live may be way more spread out and um, maybe uh, way less congested. The density in New York is unlike any other place in the world. Um, but just to protect others and be thinking of others out there whose immunity system could be compromised and, and could be impacted. So please be careful out there and take care of yourselves while we're out there getting our miles in because we need them, but we got to stay healthy. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. It's hard. I mean, I got a couple of the buffs and, and they work pretty well, but I mean, it's uh, that's a, a new, new training technique <laughs> that we're yeah. all learning here, but I agree 100%. 
Yeah. I, I kidded around, Judy. You know, we always talk about altitude training and then you talk about poor man's altitude training is like heat and humidity, which we get. Well, I did my first, um, four of my first five marathons that I'm doing for charity for our healthcare workers. I ran every step with a bandana, which is a lot different than a buff. A buff's much tougher. Um, to breathe through the bandana is definitely easier because it does move um, the bottom piece of it will move forward with you. But I found the bandana is easier for me to be able to drink because, you know, running 26 miles, I don't have any aid stations. I don't have anybody out there giving me stuff. So I have to carry my own bottles or stash them, et cetera. So the bandanas really do work. But we're all going to be, that's the, you got to find the silver lining. We're all be, we'll all be fitter if we're running with buffs on or running with bandanas. And, and you know, I just know when the heat really kicks in, we're all going to be in oh, trouble, Judy, because- I, I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to try the bandana then because the buff is like, it's like on your face. I don't know how you did that run because you know I'm a middle distance runner and all those marathons. I actually did a, a virtual half marathon. I, I don't like to call it a race because it was, but it was a harder effort. Oh my God, without aid stations and the water. And I was just dying at the end. I don't know how you're doing it. So God bless you for it. Well, thank you. Um, you know, we all have our gifts. You're, you're an amazing, um, middle distance runner, um, distance runner, track cross country. I mean, you have incredible range and, and do, you know, super unbelievable things. Um, competitive in your age group, like world ranked, national ranked at some distances. So we'll, we're going to get into all that stuff. But for me, Longer distance running is just something, I, it's a gift that I was born with. It comes from my mom. She's got this massive heart and um, she's um, so strong. So I just have that ability. And anytime I'm struggling out there, I just think about her and I tap into her, her spirit, and her energy, and it keeps me going. And what I really doing it for is, you know, these amazing people like Wakanda and sure, she's not in ICU or emergency medicine. She's the first one to point that out, but she's in that hospital every single day. She's around COVID every single day. She's treating patients with COVID every, you know, you know, maybe not every single day, but she's exposed to it. And so are all the other amazing doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists and healthcare workers and EMTs and anybody that's out there in any way. Um, they're doing so much for us and they're so selfless and they're exhausted and they're run down. So if that me running those races and raising money and getting meals to those people, it makes me feel amazing. And they make me feel better than, you know, it's, it's, it's going the other way. Like they're, they, you know, they're so happy to just have a nice meal and not have to worry about eating from the vending machine because they're working 12 or 14 hour shifts. So it's just a nice, like you said, a, a nice win-win. Um, so let's, let's trace it back. Now we gone through your COVID stuff. Let's let's talk about where you got your start as a kid, as an athlete. So I know you're one of five and you are the youngest with four brothers. And wow, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> I did not know that before we came on today. You know, I know as one of three being in the middle, you know, what that dynamic is like for me, because, you know, you're, you have the older one, the younger one, and you're always in the middle of stuff anyway. And I'm in the middle of everything. But being the youngest with four brothers, talk about that as a kid growing up. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, my parents were so happy. They always keep telling me they were so blessed because I was a little bit of a surprise because 
the the four older brothers, the youngest one is five years. Um, so a little bit distance in between us. So my my mom especially was super happy when I was born. Um, but um, to have a little girl and because my brothers were definitely, oh my gosh, the things that they did um, causing fires and just all, you know, throwing rocks at one another. I mean, it's just crazy. So <laughs> when I was born, it was, you know, it was nice to have a girl in the family, you know, for, for them. But, but growing up, it, it quickly became competitive, you know, because uh, most of my brothers were very active in sports. Um, my one brother, the, the one that was the youngest, I was most closest to, which kind of makes sense. You know, you're kind of following his footsteps. He would, he was a really, he's still ice hockey. He's, you know, gosh, he's 60, 59, 60 years old now. And he still plays ice hockey competitively on a club team and for a college team in Pittsburgh. So it's, so I would just be following him around and we had this little Creek in the back of our yard that it would freeze over and we would go out there and shovel it off and re ice it and make it smooth. And, um, so I, I wanted to, to be like him and, and competitive like him too, because he was getting a lot of attention from my parents because then he would play in his games. And I'm like, well, I can do that. I, I never was super good at hockey, but I thought there's got to be something I can do. And my parents were very active in tennis and they tried to push that on me. And I love tennis. I love the game. Um, but I just mentally focused. I just totally froze up anytime there was a match or competition. Um, so what I ended up doing is I started running to the tennis practice and I also played softball. So shout out I was not very good. Um, but again, I would start running to the practices because I don't know, it was just kind of fun. And, um, I just enjoyed it. It started, it was a craze because again, dating myself, it's when running was really starting to boom. This was back, I gosh, 79, 78. So really the running boom was coming on and I just liked it. And then there was a couple, they had those presidential physical fitness tests. And I think it with the time it was like 600 yards and I would win them and I'd beat most of the boys. So I thought, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Um, so I just started doing it for fun. And that's when road races just started to come out. And um, I remember there was a diet Pepsi fitness 10K. Like I think the 10K was my first race, which was crazy as like a 13-year-old. and. Um, I know I did it like really close to an hour. I remember the 60 minutes or something on the, on the clock, but, um, for my age and at the time I was, I was pretty good. So I thought, Oh, maybe this is something I could do competitively when I entered high school. And when I entered high school, there was no girls cross country team. And my parents again, were trying to push me on the tennis. And I did go to a couple tennis practices again, failed. Um, so I'm like, wait, well, there's a boys cross country team. So why can't I just run with the boys? And there was a couple other girls that I found that also ran. And we, we ran on the boys cross country team my freshman year because we're, there was only three of us. And I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. At the time, it was a two and a half mile cross country um, loop that we would do and compete against. And, um, and then that spring, I discovered track and never had great coaching. They, they were usually like the phys ed teacher would do it for volunteering, and, which is fine and great, but they, they just never, you know, pushed it or, you know, was structured coaching. So, um, so I, 
as I was progressing and I was doing okay, I'm like, there's got to be a way to get faster. I was, so I was reading everything that, that I could possibly find on like running like the mile. It was like track racing. And I, I saw like a workout 10 by 400s and I was bringing the workouts to the coaches. And I'm like, I think we need to be doing this. <laughs> I mean, this was like, what was I, 15? And, and they listened because they didn't know. So, so I, I, you know, I was starting to, and as I was doing that, I was convincing some of my girlfriends to start running too. So by my sophomore year, we actually had a full cross country team. We had like eight girls. So now we could actually have a team. So this was the first time at my school, it was a small school in Northwest Ohio that we had a girls team my sophomore year where we were scoring points and it was a lot of fun. And um, I eventually, by my senior year, broke our high school record, which was nothing outstanding. It was like a 529, but I was super happy because when I first started, I was running like six-minute miles. But I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. And, and then by my senior year, again, I was never outstanding. I was good, but never super great. And I got the farthest I got was to regionals, which is the, the, the step right before states. Um, but it was, I, I just loved it. It was, it was a super fun sport and I, I didn't doubt like anything that I ever did and all the hard workouts. I was trying to get my coaches to push me more. I think coach Devin will say the same thing too, where like, she's holding me back and I'm like, no, I need to do more. I need to go faster. I need to do more intervals. Um, so it, I'm constantly pushing myself and, um, and that, you know, led to college. When I was, when I was looking at colleges, I know that I had to stay in state for financial reasons. And, um, and that kind of led me to choosing between Ohio state and Miami of Ohio. So when I, when I saw Miami of Ohio is beautiful, beautiful campus. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's there's Hills like cause it was Southern Ohio and I'm used to the flat, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is great. Beautiful red brick buildings. And just, a, it was a more lower, um, uh, you know, like stress status than versus Ohio state, Ohio state, beautiful campus, but is more of a city campus. And when I met with the coach there, again, I was just going to be a walk on. Obviously I wasn't getting recruited for my talents and running. Um, but the coach was just telling, listing off all these Olympians. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, okay, I'm not in this caliber at all. Okay. I'm going to go to Miami. <laughs> so it's a little <laughs> lower, lower. So lower stress level. So when I went to Miami, sorry if I'm rambling, <laughs> but the, it was a similar situation as in high school as it was when I went out for the team at Miami. Again, I was going to be a walk-on and it was falls, cross-country season. I'm like, where's the women's cross-country team? And um, I, I was researching it, and they said, oh, well, we don't have a women's cross-country team, but there is a club team. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just you know meet up with those girls. So those girls were amazing. And this was, again, this is the fall of 1983. So Title IX was definitely, you know, in – is still in the, in the stages, I won't say infancy stages, but definitely getting more attention. Um, so when I met with the girls, they're like, yeah, this, you know, we, we ran together, we ran hard. We had, um, a volunteer coach on our, on our club team 
and we were pretty good because we would we would show up to meets to D1 college meets and and score fairly well in the top five. Um, so what um, what ended up happening is is we were getting we were here we were competing against other D1 colleges and we were the only one that was a club team and so the um, our team our our girls got together and we said you know what we're going to show up to it was a mid-American conference. We're going to show up to the conference championships and toe the line and, and make a statement and show that we belong there. So we did, we, it was at Ball State in Indiana and we all got in our van and we, we drove up there. We, we suited up in our makeshift uniforms and we got to the line. We were warmed up, ready to go. Of course, we're the only group of girls that didn't have a bib number so you can imagine the the officials were looking at us and it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, in, in Boston when the first woman was going through and they were ripping her, you know, they were tearing at her and, and pulling her off of the course. And that's basically what they did. Um, they wouldn't let us start. And, uh, but we definitely made a statement and we were in the papers, the local papers the next day. And, um, you know, kind of a long story trying to get it a little bit shorter is that by the, by the fall of 84, we had our first women's varsity cross country team because of that. So it was, it was super, um, gratifying, you know, that we were able to, to make that statement and something actually happen. Um, but it, it was, it was an amazing ride. And the, the women that I was with and that team, um, we bonded so closely and it, it just sh- kind of shows you the power of when you have a team that has that same goal that you can make it happen. And it's not just one individual. It was, I, I didn't set anything on fire, you know, with times or anything, but it was just that camaraderie and the fact that we all work together for the one goal. And it was, it was an amazing feeling for sure. Wow. There's so much in there to, uh, to unpack. That's, um, that is amazing, amazing stuff. So total trailblazer, Judy, um, starting off running on the boys team because tennis, despite your mom's uh, best intentions, this wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be your thing. Um, it just didn't, you didn't connect. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, sometimes there's that one sport, you know, the dad's good in baseball and he wants his son to be the baseball player, but he ends up, you know, finding something he likes more. So good job by your mom, you know, trying to get you active in sports and all, but we, we got to find our path. And somehow you started running to the tennis courts and discovered that you just really liked the actual action of running and moving through space and time. And so you found out you loved running, even all the way back then, uh, ran with the boys team, um, got involved with, you know, getting a team together for the girls. I mean, this is, you know, kind of pre-Title IX or like you said, when Title IX is just coming to be, um, not only at the high school level and getting, you know, your team uh, a chance to run without bibs and be involved. I mean, you mentioned so much of there, Kat, you're talking about Catherine Switzer and the Boston Marathon and bib number 261, man, that's fearless. That's Catherine. I've met Catherine a bunch of times. She's uh, 
one of the most inspirational people you'll ever meet in this world. I mean, there's not many people who've had more of an impact on in life than Catherine, uh, particularly for women in sports and what women can do. And, you know, people were questioning, you know, could a woman actually run that far? Would they die? And I mean, when you read some of these questions that were written at that time, it just doesn't even seem that it was real, but that's what people wrote. That's what people actually thought. That's what they believed. And it's it's remarkable to see now that in certain ultra races that are longer than say 100 miles or longer maybe 24 hour races or even longer ones there are some crazy ones that exist that virtually I'm not even aware of where women actually can win and beat men in some of the ones that are extremely like way out there like longer 250 miles or longer so it's it's remarkable um, what an evolution has taken place in running and and what kind of change has gone on and it's cool to hear that you were part of a lot of that change that was going on yourself you know leading to a team and getting other girls involved and then you know showing up for a meet and not even having like proper bibs and all they're probably like hey what are these girls doing here what's happening and you're like no we got this we got this yeah it, it, it's amazing Catherine yeah she was the her name is escaping me but amazing amazing trailblazer and and that that is that is where why we are where we are with women's sport today. And we have to thank those women along the way for sure. So inspiring. Huge, um, huge uh, impact, uh, massive impact today. And um, she has 261 Fearless, um, which is her great group that she started and they do enormous uh, fundraising efforts and, and are involved in many different marathons and just um, helping women to be empowered, working together through running and just realizing, you know, the impact that they can have together um, in groups. And they're doing wonderful things. Um, she's a great speaker. Uh, I'll have to get her on the podcast at some point. Catherine would definitely be a good get for the show. So I'll have to see if I can make make that happen, um, especially based on what our, our points that we're talking about today. So high school, um, you know, you get involved, you get into running, you do a 10K, you start kind of finding your way and figuring out what distances you like. College, the whole Ohio State versus Ohio, like large versus small. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to be intimidated. Ohio State is like, it's 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 practically like a state. It's so big. It's it literally, it, if you haven't been to Columbus for like a football game or seen what that stadium is like, or it's just, it's remarkable. It's, it's in, just an unbelievable place to go and visit. But at the same time, I could totally feel as you're describing it, like walking in there and just being like, get me out of here. This, this isn't for me. Like, you know, they're, we're talking about Olympians and runners that have, you know, won gold medals and whatnot. And then, you know, you have your other choice, but it's, it's super cool that you went that other way because you had an impact on that team and, you know, they didn't even have a team. So that's, you know, how do you feel about that now? Like looking back, like all those years later, what do you, how do you feel about that? That's a good point. I like the way that you look at that at that way. And I didn't at the time now that I'm thinking about this because, yeah, Ohio State definitely had a women's team. And obviously, since half of them are going to the Olympics, you know, <laughs> but it, it is a very intimidating um, school when you go there. It, it's just so overwhelming. And yeah, that stadium is absolutely amazing. Um, but I, I I feel like, yeah, it definitely was the right decision. I, I am super happy that I went to Miami, you know, of, we always say of Ohio. Um, 
um, it, it just was a much more intimate, um, small town feel. And it def- definitely gave you that campus feel too. It was just, it was almost like enclosed with, with red brick buildings. And it was just very um, quintessential when you think of like college campuses and, and Ohio state is just like a city. So I'm, I'm happy I went there and got a great education. Um, but, but it's, it's interesting how kind of my journey in, in competition was in college because the next year in 1984, we, we had a coach who apparently went and coached for the next 20 years there, which is kind of amazing. Um, and a little surprising to me because he was good in this, in his fact, you know, like he knew running really well, he knew workouts and all of that. Um, he recruited pretty well. Um, but as I started to run on this, this varsity D one level, um, it, it, the stresses of that became pretty inherent, like by my junior year. And, um, you know, what had happened is then, then I started competing, um, and just getting, I I did okay, but I just got, it it was almost again, very overwhelming because the competition at that level is so amazing. I mean, I'm, I was actually lucky to make the, the travel cross country team. So I was usually fifth. Um, and, I would be towards the back for sure. And then when track season rolled around, which always was my favorite, I always loved the mile. And still to this day, um, the mile is definitely my favorite um, distance. He kept putting me in the 3,000 and the 5,000 because I wasn't the fastest. He's like, he was like the old adage, okay, you're not super fast. So we're just going to put you up distance. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like doing 5,000s on the track. And anybody that knows me, it, I, I would take off 5,000 at the 74 for my first quarter and that <laughs> not, not smart. So it was just awful. And I just, and by my junior year, I'm like, okay, I, I, I never it got to really excel at my best. Um, number one, the stresses. And secondly, and then, then he started was like, the, the awful, like, I'm sure you hear this a lot, especially both men and women, um, competing at this level, the whole food thing and thin thing. And it got to a point where I was going, I remember this distinctly to this day, I was at a a meet in Bowling Green, a cross country meet. And my parents were able to come down because it was only 45 minute drive from my hometown. And my mom brought me an apple pie and I'm like, Oh, my favorite dessert. I'm so excited. I just ran this race. And the next day, the coach puts out a newsletter saying to the parents never to bring desserts. The, the girls don't need to be eating desserts at all. And so I'm like, oh, my God. So now, now you're starting to pay attention to what you, you eat. And I never did before. Never did. And it just got to the point where at one point that I was not – I wasn't eating enough and it was at the end of a cross country race, a home cross country meet. I completely blacked out the last hundred meters. Don't remember it at all. Went to the hospital, IVs, the whole whole nine. And I'm like, you know what? Something's wrong. Like, I, again, you're not doing it on purpose. You're just thinking it's the right thing to do because your coach is telling you, don't eat desserts and don't. And so, so luckily, I got out of that quickly, and I I ended up quitting the team my junior year. And I said, this, this is not working out. I'm, I'm not healthy. This is, is not a good thing. And so I, I actually went back to the club team. So 
we started a club team. It was my senior year. And I actually ran to this day, my fastest 5k, my fastest 10k. I actually ran a marathon that year. I was like, it was just amazing when you have the stress load off of you that you can actually um, feel free and and you're just enjoying the sport again. So um, so I, I was glad that I went through that experience. I'm super happy that we started the you know the first varsity cross country team at Miami. But um, there's there's definitely something to be learned from this, and I think in light of like everything that has been coming out in recent news that, um, that again, it's not just women, men, men go through this as well. It's, you've got to fuel yourself and you can only perform your best when you're properly fueled. And I've, I've learned that, um, unfortunately a little bit of the hard way. I never got really, really serious, but it definitely affected me. Yeah, that's that's profound stuff. And I I appreciate you mentioning that it goes on the men's side too because it really does. Um I think that as an athlete um and face it um the kind of people that I'm talking to and people like myself, we're just we're competitive people. It's just there's something in us, right? Whether and where is it born at it for you? My guess is and we'll get to it. It's my one of my favorite questions is, you know, you have five, you know, you're part of you're one of five and you're you're the lowest in the order and you're five years apart from, you know, the next one to you. You see your brother getting attention as a hockey player and being an athletic, you know, and getting, you know, mom and dad's attention and, and seeing that. that That's very similar to me, you know, my own self growing up. You know, my older brother was like fully grown at 12 years old. And I mean fully grown, like he's not all that much smaller, you know, at 12 than he is now today. And, you know, he's hitting home runs over the center field scoreboard that are like on the way up, you know, and I'm like half his size, but we're on all the same teams, all the same all-star teams. And, you know, like, so I understand like where that drive comes from. And it's not trying about trying to beat your brother or beat your sister or anything like that. It just, you, you have somebody there, you know, at an age, in some cases, it might be your dad. It might be your mom. Sometimes it could be, you know, a teammate, you know, that you just look really look up to who's really good at something. And you say, I want to be like Judy, or, you know, I want to be like Amy. And in my case, you know, my brother was great in school and he was an amazing athlete. So yeah, he was somebody that I was looking up to, but my own drive, and I'm like in a whole other level of drive. And I know you have that same kind of drive because that's why you're still out there competing in like world masters championships. That's why you're driven to run, you know, age group, national age group, world age group ranked times because you're competing against yourself to be the best that you can be. And anybody who's like in that position in life, that's trying to maximize and do their best. You know, I'm, I'm a big Goggins guy and it's all about the man in the mirror. You know, you're facing off with that person, the rest of the people that you show up to race in Poland. Yeah. You know, you, you're in lane one, they're in lane four. It's, it's really about you running your best race and what's going to lead Judy to be the most successful. Is it taking it out hard? Is it like waiting to kick? Like, I don't, I don't know, but you have to figure that out, right? Just like I have to figure out for me, you know, what's going to yield the best results for me, but it's super cool to hear, you know, that whole experience thing and that you figured that piece out because so many people get broken and irreparably damaged by a coach 
Um, whether it, and by the way, it's many times not in running. It could be in gymnastics. It could be in swimming. It could be in soccer. It could be in field hockey. It can be in lacrosse. And it's not all women's sports, to your point. It can be men's coaches. It can be women coaching men. I mean, these are people that are so hung up with only one thing, the result, okay? They don't care about Judy or any of the athletes on the actual team. What they care about is if Judy's a little thinner, um, she's going to perform better. She's going to swim faster. She's going to be able to do X for my team. And it's unhealthy. And we all know um, with recent press, you know, what's been going on. And I think, you know, for all of the, the, the hits that social take and people complain about it and we waste too much time on it, the power of it today, of how it can be wielded when something is done that's improper is 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 it's really incredible um, what an impact it can have to bring these situations to light. Coaches that are doing wrong things, mishandling athletes, uh, Ahmad Arbery with his with the running situation, the awful situation with him getting killed down there, and just not having anything be done, no charges being brought. Like remarkably, I mean, just mind boggling that it took months and months and months. But I honestly believe if it weren't for social. You probably still wouldn't be charged. There probably be nothing would have actually happened. And hopefully to God, they're never going to get their son back, but hopefully they'll at least be able to get justice in court. And, you know, so those are some of the the benefits of like where social can have an impact for good. Um, But, you know, athletes, they can feel they make a decision too. Sometimes it isn't a coach. Like I can't run a 420 mile if I'm 130 pounds and the other guys on my team are 116, that's men. That that could be boys that are looking at Kenyan runners, that are looking at East African runners saying, well, how can I do this? Okay, they're training at altitude, so I have to train at altitude, right? That's what we do as humans. Like I've got to put myself in that same cauldron that they are to become successful. But guess what? You black out at the end of a cross-country race. You're not eating your mom's apple pie. You're not making logical decisions because pressure from the coach, and then maybe it seeps its way into you, and you're actually thinking of these things, and maybe you're not even realizing it's subconscious, but you're making changes of the way you would manage your own diet and your own health. And thank God you got out of there. Like you had the wherewithal to like reverse course And then the minute you got back into the club team environment, look at all of the good that came about. I mean, you were happy. You didn't have somebody trying to make you run the 5,000 meters on the track when you really love the mile. Like, we got to find what our niche is in life. Like, what are we really good at? Maybe you're a hurdler. You know, maybe you're a steeplechaser. You know, maybe you're an ultra marathoner. But whatever the hell it is, find that and then do it. And don't let anybody take you off course. Just, Just stick with that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's a wonderful thing. And I know you've been really good about promoting this on your pod, but like there's so much more to running and, and not taking anything from the marathon. I feel the marathon gets a lot of press, which is great. And that, that inspires a lot of people to run and they're fabulous. It's a fabulous event. I've done 11 of them. They are an amazing, um, it's an amazing event. It's a great camaraderie. It's, it's great. Um, but some people just don't excel at that. You can, if you look at my times, I, I should be able to run if looking at my 10 K time, a three ten marathon, there is no way 
I could run a 310 marathon. <laughs> I've never been able to run faster than 329. And um, it's just not, it's just not in me. And I, and honestly, I don't have that desire like, like you do, but there's so many other things, like you said, from, from the 60 meters to hurdles, to sepal, to cross country. Um, there's just so much more out there in the running world. And, and I do have to give props to Central Park, um, not skipping ahead in my life, but I didn't know that master's track even existed when I graduated college. And I just went off in another, I was doing aerobics and inline skate. I was just doing whatever the fitness craze was at the time. Um, and when I moved to sub subsequently moved to New York is when I discovered track again. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know this, this was around. And I was so happy. And, um, and to get on the track, I look forward to every single track workout there is. It, and I know they're going to be super hard and, and gut wrenching, but it, I mean, versus doing tempos and I am embracing those during COVID because they're like the most convenient workout to do, but oh my gosh, they're, they're tough. But I, I love the track and, um, and I'm so, you know, you know, gratuitous that there actually is a whole track program. And I definitely, yeah, I want to talk to that because there's nationals and worlds and there's so many fun things out there that masters runners can do. And it's uber competitive. I mean, it's amazing to see some of these, these men and women out there that are, that are running as fast as they are. Yeah. I think that's a great, uh, launching point for us. So um, a lot of my own personal followers and people that I'm connected with through the show, you're absolutely right. Uh, many more gravitate to the marathon and, and some even ultra. Um, and I've got a number of friends who are really competitive at triathlon too, and, and do Ironmans and are in that, uh, in that arena as well. So I think in life, man, I think that's why I love Goggins so much. You know what? Fuck what everybody else is doing. Do what you want, man. This is, we get one, we get one chance in this life, man. And you had COVID and Tommy had COVID. And, you know, we see people dying right in front of us. We see our city. I'm running, I leave Central Park and I run down to the Freedom Tower and I run back and I can count on one hand how many human beings I saw running from there to there. Forget about cars, forget about any, nothing. Like an outcast and and I am legend, Will Smith. So we're in the most remarkable of times. Um, and if you don't figure out what it is right now, what you want to be doing, what makes you happy, what gets the fire going in your belly, or I, I like to say like what keeps you up at night, figure that out now. Because guess what? This is a great time to hit a reset button in life. Maybe it's time to change careers. Maybe it's time to do something completely different. And as far as sports... My world that I'm in that you know that I love so much is the world marathon majors and traveling around the world. And I've got my group of people from all these different countries and we see each other and we hug and give love and, and eat meals together and do shakeout runs and races. You have that literally that exact same world in master's track and field at the elite level. And I just adore that that other world exists because I'm going to start putting my toe in that water too, because it's just, they're, they're great people. They're incredibly fit. You know, people in their 80s and 90s, I mean, still running and having like age group world records and doing remarkable things. And the, you get to travel to really interesting places where these world championships are. And of course, we're bringing up a bad topic right now because there aren't going to be any races anywhere, whether it's a marathon or a master's world track and field championships. But 
I'm going to let you take the floor on, you know, the same way I have that love and, and just unbelievable community of my friends that are living that world. Talk to me about how you first got into that. You know, you just ex explained that you found it again with Masters, uh, with um, Central Park Track Club, but how you got exposed to doing those larger meets and, and what that's been like for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty incredible because again, when I first discovered that it actually existed, um, when I the first couple of track meets that I did um, were actually D two D three college meets, and Devin always sends out a list, and you know, based on how we're doing in practice, if you hit certain times, you know, she'll let you um, sign up for these local college meets, and I, I would go there, and I would actually finish you know, top five, top seven. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, this is like the times where I wish my college could see me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, look. And, and, and then what happens is you start meeting other masters because there's usually a few masters at those meets. And, um, is sooner or later, you're going to meet um, Mark Williams. And what I call him, you've got to get him on. He is the mayor of Masters Track. He is an amazing runner. He He's 47 and can run like a 158, 159. He's going to quote me exactly um, 800 meters. That's phenomenal. Amazing. And also Peter Brady, who is on our Central Park track team, another shout out to him. He's just as fast. And um, those guys helped me get introduced to the national meets. So, um, and I remember going to my first US and their USATF sanction, just like the USAs that they have for the pros, they have them for the masters as well. And they have outdoor and indoor and cross country championships every year. And um, I believe the first one I went to was in Boston. It was an indoor um, meet. And it, and there was um, a couple of other masters teammates on Central Park that went up. And it's just amazing because it's um, the camaraderie that you get there. You develop these friendships, even though you don't see these people maybe a couple of times a year. Throughout the year, you're communicating and checking in and seeing how workouts are, seeing how their health is and their family and everything. So you're developing these really um, great friendship bonds and you get competitive too. And then of course, you're always like age grouping. I'm like, oh, am I going to be 50 this year, 55? And I'm like, <laughs> when am I going to be in the baby age group? Because we all know every year, oh my gosh, it gets tougher for sure. <laughs> so um my first experience there, I remember I doubled, um, I did the 15 and the 3000 and, um, and I remember Devin's advice for the 3000. Cause again, that's not my strong point is just like, just don't fall asleep. Just, just make sure you stay in, stay in the game. And, um, so, so I was, but I, I got to look back. I don't know. I, I think in the 1500, I, I, I podiumed, um, in both, but it's just, it, it's just an amazing experience that you, the friendships that you develop, but then you, you also get very competitive. And so, and then you're starting to hear as you go to these meets, there's usually some American or world record set in some age group. And you're like, Oh my gosh. I remember it's Catherine Martin. She's another one. She holds, I don't know. It's, she's got to hold like 30 different age group records. Um, so you get very inspired by seeing these, these records being broken. And, um, and so as a result, um, I, I just started getting more competitive with it. And, um, and then at the, at a couple years later, 
I heard about worlds. I didn't know there was such a thing of worlds. I'm like, well, what are worlds? And actually Tony Ruiz on our own, another coach on our central park track team, um, was telling me about those. And I'm like, wow. So you like go to other countries and you compete against people that are the greats of your age group in the world. And, um, I'm like, oh, that, that sounds like fun. Um, maybe I, I, you know, I can do okay there. And here I'm coming from a, a national perspective and I, and I've, I've won a couple in my age group and I thought, oh, I'm pretty confident. I'll do okay. You know, at the world's, oh my gosh, the competition blew me away. And I, I love the 800 as well. And at the time that's the, the event I was focusing on. So the first mistake I made is like, I'm only going to enter the 800 and I'm going to, I'm going to do well at that. Well, it was also the first time that I've experienced prelims and semis and, um, and, and rounds, you know, because usually you just go and you race the final and you're done. Um, and this one you had to, um, they actually had semifinals. So I got there. And of course, in my typical fashion, I, I went through all the, the competition and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, and there was, I don't know, like seven heats of six, something like that. And in my heat, I had the world record holder. Okay. I was in the 50 year age group. She had run a 212, 800, 212. Wow. And then there's a couple girls from Spain. They were 218, 219. I had run my fastest, which is 226. So I'm like, okay, this is the semifinals. Um, I need to get top two. And the next fastest two times of all the heats would advance to finals. So I knew I was going up against the world record holder and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tuck behind them and, and go for second place. Um, to, and I was in the first heat, so I didn't know how everybody else was running. So I go off and she, I'm like, why is this so easy? It's two laps. So we're going through the first lap was 80 seconds. And I usually going through with 72, 73, I'm like, why is this so slow? Why is this so easy? I'm right behind the world record holder. And then what does she do? Typical sit and kick fashion. She just took off like a bag. I'm like, oh my God, like where did the wheels? My second 400 was my fastest second 400 ever in 800. I ran a 73 seconds. I ended up third. And I obviously, I had to watch the next six heats and see if my time made it. And I was off by like a second. Oh my god! <laughs> so I missed it. And I'm like, oh my God, I spent how many? And usually we, you know, we have to pay to get ourselves there. We're not pro sponsored athletes, you know, so I'm spending thousands of dollars and I just ran two and a half minutes and I'm done. <laughs> I hadn't entered the 1500. I go back to my hotel room, I'm crying and I'm just like, oh, what is, you know, and I, I remember I talked to Devin, I talked to Amy, I talked to Jen St. Jean, another fabulous master's runner on our team. And they, they really helped pull me up. And of course, Mark was there and, um, you know, the, you learn a lot and, and it, I'm so glad I, I went the next day to see the finals. And, um, afterwards I met, 
with um, Eva, who ended up winning. She, you know, she's the world record holder, and we have since become awesome friends. She's an amazing runner. Um, she was getting, um, they, they definitely test you, you know, drug test you while you're there. And I've been tested before myself, which is another funny story. Um, but it, it was amazing. Um, I'm glad. And I, I obviously recovered. I learned, I learned, okay, this is tactics and this is round running, which I never knew about. And, um, and the other lesson I learned is enter two events. <laughs> if you're going overseas and spending a lot of money, definitely enter two events because I know if I ran the 1500, I would have at least qualified in the finals. So, um, so those are lessons learned. And I learned that going into, um, Poland for the indoor championships, which was the following year and, um, ended up getting into the finals for both the 58 and finishing top six, six and seven in, respectively in the events. So it, it's just, an amazing experience. You're going to these countries I've never been to. Um, Poland, I actually have some family, my dad's side of the family is from Poland. So you go there and you experience the different culture. You're with friends that you haven't seen in a, in a year. You're making new ones. I had a friend that, um, I have a friend that lives in Sweden. She came down and stayed with me one night. I mean, it's just such an amazing experience and it goes beyond just the running and the racing. You're just, you're just building amazing friendships. And, um, and so big plug. So just like you stated, no, um, 2020 championships due to COVID, but 21 outdoor championships are going to be in Finland. So big shout out coming and it's, distances from a hundred meters to the half marathon. So you, and you rep Oh, the other big thing is when you go to these world, get a USA, um, kit, it's the same kit that they wear in the Olympics. Um, so it's pretty cool that you get, you know, you get everything, you get the warm up and the jacket and the, the top and the shorts. It's really cool. So Great experience. I can't say enough about world, um, world athletics, and you, you definitely got to do at least one in your lifetime. It's a great experience. That's a great, a great roll up. Um, yes, I know Mark Williams well. I, I know Peter well. Peter has the Masters Miler um, podcast going, which is great. Two amazing guys and just remarkably um, talented runners who are just crushing times. And it's a, it's like a whole other universe out there for runners like me that are doing stuff on the marathon level and long distance. It's everything from the 800, like you specialize in the 400 relays, mile steeple, everything. I mean, and, and to to your point in world championships, they do, they go up to half marathon. So it's just super awesome. Um, it's, it's a family situation just like it is for my marathoning friends when we're traveling around to Tokyo and Berlin and going to these great countries and every place we go we're doing shakeout runs we're getting to eat different meals and we reconnect and the cool thing for me is I got to do them all last year so I was at all of those races so there was no FOMO for me I didn't miss any of them I did miss the cross-country race that you and Wakenda got to do and so many of our teammates said that one broke me because I wanted to be there so bad but it just, I just couldn't. I think that might have been the weekend of CIM where I, I helped a friend qualify for Boston. I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. And um, her dad had passed a few months before and she just needed some help. 
you know, and eventually she ended up running most of the back end of the race without me. <laughs> she didn't need me after all. Um, but I was out there for moral support for the first, I don't know, like 13, 14 miles. And we had such a great time hanging out together. Um, but I think what's unique about the world championships for track and field and all the stuff you're talking about is like when I go with my friends, we run the marathon, we're all lacing them up and we're in corral A or B or one or two. And then we take off and we're all running on the same course with track in these championships. You have multiple heats, you have multiple events. You can watch and scream your head off for your friends. And that has to help with anxiety. If Amy's running, if Ivy's running, if, if Jen St. Jean's running, whoever you're like, yeah, go, or Jerry's running, you know, like Peter's running, March running, you get to scream and go crazy and take pictures of your friends and take videos and post stuff because it's a whole family atmosphere that you're all pulling and rooting for each other. Sure, you want to win and you want to qualify and you want to maybe, you know, make top three in advance, but it's just, there's something that's super cool about that whole like collective thing where everybody's just rooting for each other to run their best race. Sure, they want to win and they want to make the podium or they want to make it out of their heat to get to the next round. But at the same time, we're all rooting for each other to run our best and to be the best versions of ourselves and to be super fit. So I think it's, it's super cool. And getting the uh, USA kit and all, you can't beat that. I am qualified for the first world age group championships this year in the marathon at London. There's only 40 people in my age group in the world who qualified. And, you know, the thought of going to London and getting that kit and getting the, the bag with the logo on it and all sorts of special stuff you know, that drove a lot of my workouts last year of all of my thinking, like if I could make this and make it, yeah, well, I made it and, you know, there's not going to be any race now. I mean, we know there's not going to be any marathon in London and there's not going to be Boston in September and there's not going to be New York in November. I don't believe any of these races will happen and that's okay. You know, I think it's important. You just face what you're facing, you reset and, you know, just whatever, find something right now you know, you're talking about like building your base, work on, work on drills, work on form for you, for your track brethren, for your, for your track people, like work on your form, work on individual stuff, man, do barefoot drills, do more strengthening drills, do more foam rolling, like do whatever is going to make you physically stronger. Um, and you know, use a Bosa ball. Like you might not be able to go to a gym right now. Most of us can't, but whatever, areas you feel that you're weak in and you need to get stronger in, this is the time to like work on that, right? Oh, a hundred percent, Ron. That, those are really good points. Um, going through COVID um, times, I, every week technique drills, it, it's my workout. That's it. I do. I don't run, you know, a, a, I run like maybe a mile to like, I can still get on the tracks here and go in the infield and do 30 minutes of technique drills, um, hill sprints. And this is, this is not just for track people. This is, can be for marathoners too, but doing 10 second hill sprints is huge for your form and you're going as hard as you can, but you can't like mess up because you're going uphill. And, and I've been going for my hills. I'm right near Chelsea piers. There's, um, the, uh, the ramp to the parking area. That's what I use my hill for my hills. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of makeshift things that you can do and hundred percent agree. It's focused on technique and strength and, um, and you know, easy miles. This is, this is no time to be setting PRs and, and breaking records right now. It, it's just stay healthy and, and strengthen. Um, I, it's, it's, a, it, it's actually, to me, 
it's, it's kind of a relief, a relief time. Like there's no stress of the, of the races, you know, how you get all the, the adrenaline's going and everything and you get super stressed the morning of, like, it's kind of nice not having that actually for, for a while. Yeah. It's um, good. It's a good opportunity, a good opportunity to reset and just yep. like reflect. And I mean, look at, look at the lessons you learned. I mean, you signed up for one you know, one area, you're 800, right? And maybe if you had done the 1500 or maybe even done two other things, like, you know, and, and not having gone through seating before and, and have to run through all those different heats, like, my God, that's like incredible to have experiencing that for the first time. And don't think for a second, I'm not going to come back to your 226 because that's like completely insane running 226, 800. I couldn't dream of running a 226, 800. So that is like insanely good. Now, what is that age grade? What is the 226, 800 for you? What is that age grade? Oh, God. Oh, man. It's, it's got to be in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. I don't know. Yeah. Don't tell <laughs> don't me know. you don't know because you probably know to the point. All right. So to everybody <laughs> listening at home, um, just because I'm very aware of myself, for me, when I age grade in the 80s, which I do when I'm running good races, uh, really good races for me. And when I say 80s, let me be very clear. For me, that's like 80. 81, 80 point something, 81 point something. Maybe occasionally I might hit an 82 and a half um, in some of the mid-range distances. And to do to hit 80 in a marathon for me is I basically have to run probably like a 301 or a 302. And I'm 59. Okay. Wow. So to run in the 90s, okay. By the way, 80s is national class for anybody listening at home. And 90s is world class. So my girl Judy, rock in the <laughs> 90s, 226, world class. Judy Stobie, there you go. Mic drop. There we oh. go. World class. Got to <laughs> give the love to my people. It's important. So, and I know you have other times that you've run that are probably also in the nineties as well, because you, you're crushing a lot of other stuff. What is your best other, what are some of your best other results besides that or, or one or two other ones? Well, I, I think actually my, my best age grade probably is my 1500 when I ran a 502. Um, and th there's another good example of um, using your teammates, using your competition as your inspiration. Um, so it was the year, it's 2016. I was 51, I think. And um, it was, they also have these master's exhibition events at the Olympic trials. So it was Hayward Field, 2016, and the Olympic and the uh, Masters event. Um, they only choose one, was the 1500, and it's 40 and above. So of course I'm competing against all the 40 year olds, like the gens out there who did go. Um, but you had to be. They could only have 12 people run it, and so. Oh my gosh, these women came out of the woodworks. I'm like, who, where are all these milers coming from all of a sudden? You know, it, it, the chance to be at the Olympic trials with all of the amazing pro athletes. So I worked so hard and Devin was amazing um, at, at coaching me. I got down to a 502, it was on Icon Stadium, and that was my all lifetime best. I had run the 1500 a couple of times in college at 507. So I actually ran faster than I did during D1 college days. And which is, I, 
I, I was like through the roof happy. And, um, I, I'll remember that. And again, I, I wish my coach, you know, from college could see me, but I'm like, Hey, this, this was my event because I'm doing this completely unaided at 51. How could I not do that when I'm, you know, 20. So anyways, that was probably my best performance, um, in, in the mile 1500. But, um, you know, s- since then, I think four by 800 relay American records that I've gotten, um, outdoors and indoors. And, um, that was again, super amazing to, to you're running with friends and, you know, that are competitors, but they're also your friends and you're all going for these, these records. And, um, that was, you know, probably super memorable. Um, and, and I've, I've done that right now. It still holds the, the 54 by eight, um, club championship, uh, uh, club record. And then the non-club indoor record four by eight was held with, um, some of my friends, uh, across, not through central park. So non-club, but it's, those are the things that you definitely remember, you know, on the track for sure. So there's a lot of good memories. 502 1500. That's just, that's crazy. That's crazy time. That's crazy. That's a crazy time. And that's, that's crazy time. So that is just, that's got, so that's higher age grade, you think, than your, than your 226. It's work. They look at the, the world leader of Mm -hmm. your age, right. And go down. And so again, my friend Eva, you know, who's running a 212, you know, at, at, for the 800, my 226 is good. Um, and it's like, it's world-class, but it's, it's not, it's harder. It's a little lower. And then if you look at the 1500, I think that's my sweet spot. Um, I'm, I rank a little bit higher. Um, I'm closer to my age group, you know, world leader at the time. So I think that's how they do it. Yeah. That, no, that it, that's exactly how they do it. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. And, um, the passion that you have for it and the energy you have for it and your friends and that community you have, it's wonderful. So a hundred percent, you know, when we do the show notes for the post and put all that stuff up there, I'll put links to the Finland race, the dates, et cetera, um, whether they happen or not, it doesn't matter. The, the point is, and I think it's super important, particularly for my friends that are really competitive and traveling the world doing the marathons, that same kind of experience and energy. Um, I have a couple of good friends, um, my, one of my good friends from the Boston area, John Hadcock. Um, he is just not a real big fan of the marathon. He'll run Boston because he loves Boston. Um, and he's runs with uh, a lot of the organized uh, tracksmith workouts up there and knows a lot of people in the community up there. And they've, they've run some remarkable times. They're phenomenally talented across a lot of different distances, Judy. But they go and do, they went to Toronto last year and, and they, they go to a lot of these and they really enjoy them. They have been recruiting me heavy to start showing up and doing some. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to come. I mean, I, I don't care. I don't care if I get my ass kicked. I don't care if I get lapped. Don't care. If you're yelling for me and Amy and some other people are out there yelling for me and I got my man, Jerry and some other awesome CPTC people, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. And, you know, I'm going to go as hard as I can. And, you know, like it is what it is. I'm going to get the most out of myself. That's, that's all I'm looking for. And it's going to help in some other way. I think, um, you know, you, you've, Focus on your weaknesses too. You know, we all want to do what we're strong at and what we're best at, but the only way we really reach our full potential is working on the areas that uh, that need to be tightened up. So that that can help us all. 
for sure. And and that's not going to be by you running marathons, by the way. So yeah. we're, we're, we're keeping, we're keeping, <laughs> you, we're keeping you off the marathon circuit for sure. I'm, I'm done yeah. with that. I tried. Yeah. I did try. <laughs> you just, hey, listen, man, you, an incredible uh, running resume that you've built. Uh, no, no question about that. So anything else important, top of mind, something we didn't get to that is near and dear to your heart, something you want to cover uh, before we roll out? No, I, I, I think we covered a lot. Thank you so much for, for being so gracious and, and inviting me on. I'm super happy to be here. Um, the only the only other thing is, yeah, definitely Finland. I'm always going to be a big promoter of the world. But um, the USATF indoor, if we're able to have an indoor season in 21, is going to be at our own hometown, New York Armory. Um, which is going to be phenomenal. That'll be in March of 21. I think, I hope that we're going to be racing by then, but just like you said, if we're not, it's okay. But if it is, if it all goes well, that's another thing for the local New Yorkers definitely to, to sign up for when that becomes available. But um, I, I re- appreciate you so much, Ron, um, everything that you're doing out in the running community and for the healthcare workers, I'm, I'm extremely um you know, heartened to, to hear that you're doing all of this. It's a lot of work. And oh my gosh, the marathons that you're doing it. I, like I said, I did 13 miles and I am paying for it. I, <laughs> I don't get how you're doing this. So very much appreciate everything you're doing. And, you know, I'm a big pod fan and I love, I love your show and this, I want a big, big thank you to you. Well, thank you for, for listening to the show, for being a fan of the show, and for doing all the great stuff you do for our Masters community, for our club, for Central Park Track Club. Um, you're just one of the best people on the team and just always so supportive of everybody. And I've enjoyed uh, when I've gotten to get there in the winter to get on the track with you and Wakanda and some of our other awesome Masters ladies. It's just, it's fun for me. And I will chase anybody. I'll chase a young kid. I'll chase a woman. I'll chase anybody as long as they're okay with me chasing them because it's in the context of a workout. I will do whatever it takes to to make myself more fit and hopefully help others, you know, along the way in that too. Um, and we we just have such a such a great group of people, and it's it's such a pleasure to be around people that enjoy the sport and have such a deep passion and love for it as we all do. So yeah, we'll we hope that the armory will happen. But if not, I think we all have to think outside the box a little. We've got a lot of bright minds in our club um, and you and, and Devin and Tony and, and just so many others. Um, I think we need to get back to our roots more. We got to get back out to Van Cortland. Um, there's, when we think about social distancing and being able to space ourselves, it's a whole lot easier to space ourselves in an open park like Van Cortland. We all love, I know Wakenda loves it because um, we talked about how much she enjoyed the cross country and you guys ran that meet which where you all placed so well. We had to get out there and just you know, we can do runs like that, you know, and I have to say one of the most fun things I used to do with Kate Powerty when um, Kate and I would do um, long runs and different kinds of workouts is we'd go to the track and she would just tell me, okay, you go to this corner right here. Okay. And we're going to run, you know, 800s. And I'd be like, she would just tell me, she would just figure out how much of a lead she would want to give me. And, you know, we would just 
beat the hell out of each other, like doing workouts or whatever. And, and then we would finish doing like hard 200s or something. And, you know, it was funny because I could come very close to her in hard 200s. Like we'd be really, really, really close. So, um, but other things, <laughs> other things, you know, she could just like destroy me and pretty much destroy anyone, by the way, not just me. She's amazing. I mean, amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing. We, we have big, uh, big love for Kate. So yeah, um, we got to think about that. Let's figure out more stuff that we can do because we need to see each other other than on Zoom screens. Um, but we have to see each other safely, of course, um, because you know, having gone through it yourself firsthand, we don't want anybody getting sick. We don't want to have to go through that or have that impact, but it's hard. Um, I would kill to run a marathon with, even if you guys were like flanking me or something at Central Park and just have some company. But at the same time, I just don't want to, it's it's too hard you know it's too it's too risky and that's why i've done them alone and if things start to get better and they change you know we'll we'll adapt accordingly but for now we'll all just keep doing our thing and um it, it's been awesome to uh spend time with you and catch up and find out uh these amazing things about you uh in your awesome running career and more to come. I, I know you have uh, great things uh, coming, um, you know, on the age group and in world championship and, and you're bringing more people into the sport, which is that is near and dear to my heart. So I know you got Amy Kay, you pulled her all the way in um, because look, she doesn't have that love for distance running, but she loves running. And it's ironic because, you know, her dad is this amazing guy who's run Boston, like, I don't know, like 30 years in a row or something close to that. So, you know, Joe, her dad, like, and, you know, we all know what an amazing person Amy is just as a coach and athlete and a friend and all that. But, you know, the marathon isn't for her just like it isn't for you, but she loves running. And I just love how you got her in. And now she's like truly finding her her thing, her niche. And I could see that she's going to do great stuff with you and your crew. And who knows, you guys might pull me into, we'll see. We'll, yes, we'll see we how will. it goes. You've had some fast 200s <laughs> at practice, Ron. So you're getting out there. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Well, anyway, Judy, it's been so great to see you and catch up. So you all too, the, guys. all the best to you and Tommy and the rest of our teammates and your family enjoy what's left of our Memorial Day holiday and weekend. And I look forward to seeing you. We can go on a run together soon when it's safe and uh, enjoy and, uh, and uh, give a hug and take a selfie together. Okay. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Ron. Okay, Judy, we always say peace out and always remember to stay in the fight. Yay. Wow. That was so much fun. Judy's a great friend, an amazing teammate, and somebody who's always there for others. And without a doubt, an absolute ambassador for our sport and for Masters Running. You just have to love her energy and passion that she displays and how much she wants to bring other people to the sport. It's wonderful. And it's funny how if you connect the dots and trace it back then, a whole Title IX thing coming to be a few years earlier than Judy's high school and college days of running, how she was such an instrumental figure in bringing sports, uh, girls' sports teams uh, in cross-country at both high school and college. Um, so it's, it's interesting to trace that back and see the impact she was having all the way back then and, and now today, you know, trying to pull people in on the master's end. It's just wonderful to see people um, that have invested their lifetime in a sport with that sort of passion and energy and are still 
seriously into it today and loving it every bit as much, maybe more. And let's talk about some results. Throwing down a 502-1500, beating her best college times at Division I running, running a 226-800. I mean, these are over 90% age-grade world-ranked times, world-ranked age-graded master's times. I mean, these are amazing times. Being part of an indoor and an outdoor age group record in 50-plus, I mean, anchoring, anchoring the team home. I mean, this is, this is really unbelievable stuff. And uh, Judy is just a, a super, super talented runner. But most importantly, she's just somebody you want to hang with, roll for workouts with, and uh, spend time with, man. Just a great all-around human being. And I loved getting to learn more about her, what you know, family life was like growing up as a kid, and uh, how she got her interest in running going and how that all played out for her. But more importantly, again, just this this whole love of these masters, national and uh, championship meets and international championship meets and getting more involved with that facet of running. It's definitely something that she's convinced me that I'm going to need to do more of because I want to be around more of that crew, more of Mark Williams and Jerry and Peter and, and so many of the other great teammates we have that are um, are Jen St. Jean, so many of those teammates that I already have that are killing it and doing so well on that stage already. But it's it's so similar to um, the, the marathon world championships experience that I have with my long distance running friends. But I'm excited to um, to get involved in that a little bit more and spend some more time with my friends there. And just, just so super excited to be able to sit with Judy and share her awesome, remarkable, inspiring story. I hope you all are as fired up about running after listening to her talk about it and overcoming COVID and just all the things that Judy's, uh, you know, shared with us on this episode. So I hope if you find it as inspiring as I do, you'll take a moment to share it on Instagram stories, on Facebook, share it with a friend somewhere, let them know about the podcast, let them know about Judy's awesome story, and hopefully bring us some more followers to the Run Chats page, more people that are interested in hearing positive, inspiring stories like Judy's, because man, it's a really good one. So I just have to say thank you to all who take the time to write a review, to do those things that we're asking for, because it is making a difference. We're getting more followers. We're getting more subscribers uh, to the Run Chats podcast, and we appreciate that very much. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for everyone who's taken the time to do that. And I just want to say to everybody, keep lacing them up, keep getting out that door, keep getting your miles in. It's going to help us through these times that we're in because we're facing so many challenges at this point. And we all need to stay focused, stay positive, and just keep moving forward in the right direction. So as I always say, peace out and always remember to stay in the fight.